and welcome back to Superhero Cinema, the weekly show about superheroes on TV, in the movies, and in comic books. I'm Michael. I'm Jefferson. And I'm Jonathan. And this is issue number six for the third week in April, 2007. First up, let's let's mention our email that we got this week. Um, seems to be our number one fan, Blake, uh, sent us a new news release uh, based on stuff that we talked about this time about TMNT. Uh, it was quite funny. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on it now. But we've posted it on the website. And uh, he basically wrote a press release talking about the size of, uh, of April O'Neil's waist in TMNT. The headline on it is, is TMNT star undergoes unproven surgery for a role. And uh, some notes and corrections from last week's show. Uh, Nova was a member of the Nova Corps. I, I could not remember what group he was. He was a, a member of. I had mentioned that I it was pretty much a uh, Marvel version of Green Lantern, and it turns out that it really was a Marvel version of Green Lantern because he was not in the Green Lantern Corps. He was in the Nova Corps. Um, he had an assigned sector of space. He eventually became the greatest Nova member of the Nova Corps. It basically a total Green Lantern ripoff, although I did enjoy it at the time back in the 70s. I believe the correct term is homage rather than ripoff. It was an homage. It was a tribute to Green a Lantern. A tribute, yeah. Tributes are not legally actionable. Following up on the uh, progress of a Sandman movie, because uh, it was on Jonathan's list of uh, comic book characters that he wanted to see made as a movie, so is it going to be made into a movie? What do you say? Yeah, yeah. They worked on it, but the answer to that is really not likely. Uh, it's in oh. what they, it's in what they call development hell, which is basically means it's been worked on forever. It could still be worked on forever. Someone probably does currently own the option, although I couldn't find who. Um, I believe it, it, it might possibly be Warner Brothers uh, sitting on it at the moment. Uh, they had done several scripts, but at the moment it's it's not really in progress at all. And definitely a part of that is Neil Gaiman. Uh, he said that he's not interested in, in any future films made from his work uh he basically said that he he will not get involved in another hollywood production unless he goes mad first ah but neil gaiman doesn't own the sandman dc comics does true he has a pretty sweet licensing arrangement with them over it he's got sort of a semi co-creator credit where he gets a piece of all the sandman merchandise that comes out but he doesn't actually own controlling interest in the character so dc could do whatever they want with it without his approval True, but from what I read, they they all the incarnations of it, they they tried to do it with his input, and he said that he would not have any input on it, which which obviously doesn't mm-hmm. stop them from doing it, but it, no. it might diminish. Yeah, the look at V for Vendetta. Yeah, they still did that, even though Alan Moore wanted to have nothing to do with it. But uh, yeah, they then you're right. They have involved. They have never done Sandman without Neil Gaiman. They've always any Sandman project they've done, they've always involved him in. So I don't know if that would stop them from doing a movie, but. And uh, two other things that were from Jonathan's list that I was following up on that he might be a little bit excited to find out. That, All right. Uh, he, he wanted to see Secret Wars done, and uh, Secret Wars actually was done on two episodes of Spider-Man, the animated series from the 90s. It was a very abbreviated form. It was only two episodes of the show, so not a lot of the story being told. Obviously, they didn't involve the black costume in that because they'd already done the black costume several years before as part of Venom. This was actually the two of the last five episodes of, of the spider-man animated series that's cool nice see it's like a great story and how could they stay away from it they have to do it uh so yeah it is a great story they, they they've done it that the, they did it very briefly they did a version of it obviously not something that would get in the way of any future use of it but something that you'd probably want to see at some point yeah i'll have to check that out 
Same thing on uh, Thanos and the Infinity Gauntlet story, um, a show that very few people have seen uh, was a 1990 Silver Surfer animated series that only lasted uh, one season. And Thanos was one of the characters on that. They didn't actually do the Infinity Gauntlet storyline, but elements of it were used in that series. That's awesome. See, people are just reading my mind. What can I say? Yeah, retroactively reading your mind. That, that's, yeah, well, you know, that's the, the best way to do it. That's cool. I guess I'll have to check that one out, too. Is that out on, on DVD? Uh, neither of those series are out on DVD, unfortunately. Right. That's why you haven't seen them. I guess so, yeah. I do have them, so we'll talk. Excellent. Now let's get on to the new stuff for the week. Let's talk news. You can always get additional info and links to these stories on our website, SuperheroCinema.com. The front page of the site will always keep you updated on the latest info about superhero movies and TV shows from all over the web. So first, we've got a really, really, really big story. It's really big, and it's really green. After several weeks of us talking about The Incredible Hulk, uh, about the fact that there was no casting, that they had the studio in place, or the, the place that they're going to shoot it, uh, talking about the special effects, talking about the directors, talking about the writers, everything but a star for the film, they finally this week announced the star of The Hulk will be Ed Norton as Bruce Banner. Now that's pretty exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm heartened that they've, they've managed to interest a serious actor like Edward Norton in it. That means they're, they're at least that tells me that they're taking the movie pretty seriously. They're, uh, they're taking it seriously as a major, you know, a Hollywood movie. And he's someone who would not do it unless he liked the script. Exactly. Yeah, he wouldn't. He 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 can pick and choose. He wouldn't do it unless it was well written, and he wouldn't do it unless it was you know a major going to be a major release. So that's that's a good sign for the film, I think. And he's one intense dude. I mean, I think he'll be an awesome like Bruce Banner because I mean, just look what he did in Fight Club. I mean, he. I, I read one thing online. I actually I think it was from the author of the film, which I thought was a really good observation. Tyler Durden in Fight Club basically is his Hulk. Yeah, he's the Hulk. Yeah, that's like, I hadn't thought about that until just now, but that's true. That's basically that story, yeah. Maybe they'll base the CG on Brad Pitt. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they could afford that licensing fee. Probably not. Yeah, it is exciting news, though. That makes me... I wasn't particularly interested one way or another in this new Hulk movie, but now I am. I'm definitely... My, my ears perked up quite a bit once I, I read that earlier today. Should be good. Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely a good sign for the film. I'll be looking forward to hearing some of the other casting when they when they get to it. So another little bit of casting this time for the Fantastic Four film, something that we had been talking about for the last couple of weeks was how are they going to do Galactus? And we know one thing, which is uh, how they're going to do the voice. The voice of Galactus will be Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, no indication as to what that means for the character, what it'll look like, how it'll be made, but just that the voice of it will be Lawrence Fishburne. So we know that he's going to talk. At least. Right. We know that Galactus will speak. Well, that's, that's cool. Interesting I mean, news I, too. Yeah, he's yeah. another big name actor attached to a superhero movie. And he does have a great voice, and uh, hopefully he will get uh, Silver Surfer to take the blue pill. <laughs> <laughs> Next casting notice is uh, for Speed Racer. Uh, this kind of rounds out the major casting for that. They already had uh, Speed Racer, Emil Hirsch, and John Goodman and Susan Sarandon as uh, Mom and Pop Racer locked up, and that left Trixie, his girlfriend, and Christina Ricci has just been cast in that role. Boy, talk about finding an actor who looks exactly like the drawing in the in the cartoon. Yeah, she definitely has anime eyes. Mm-hmm, anime eyes and a great big round anime head. Does she sound like Trixie too? Yeah, I don't actually remember what Trixie sounds like. I think she had kind of a high girlfriend calling out to speed voice. Probably, yeah. Most of those dubbed Japanese shows had very shrill voice actors for the female characters. 
The next casting announcement would be for Iron Man, which is already shooting, I think, for about three weeks now. Uh, the actor Bill Smitrovich has been cast uh, in an unnamed part. Um, no no indication as to who he's playing, just that he is going to be in the film. Uh, Bill Smitrovich will be recognizable to viewers from this series back in the 80s, Life Goes On. He played the father on there. Uh, he's in a new show coming out this year called Lee and Me. That is Jamie Kedeney and Lee Majors, where Lee Majors will be playing himself in a comedy. I'm not sure what role Bill Smitrovich plays in that. Uh, he's also known to current audiences from the series Without a Trace, and in a little bit of trivia superhero-related for the actor, he actually played the voice of Daredevil in one episode of the Fantastic Four 90s animated series. So who do you think he's going to play in the Iron Man movie? Any any guesses? Yeah, without knowing the script and knowing who any of the other characters are, there's there's really no way to know. Yeah, it's interesting that we've got all this casting info on Iron Man, yet we still don't know who's playing the the Mandarin, who's supposed to be the main villain of the bees. That's true. That I mean, we had one rumor a couple weeks ago that we talked about on that, but that's not been confirmed one way or the other. Although that actor Sean Tube, they still have not said who he's playing, and they haven't said who's going to be playing the Mandarin. Okay, so maybe these two things are connected. Could be. Still no uh, confirmation. Yeah, no official news though. Now, what they what is official from Iron Man is they have put out the first picture of him in armor. It's not the red and gold armor that he'll be wearing in the main part of the film, but it's the gray first version of the armor that he creates uh, while captive in order to save his life. And uh, the studio released one picture of him in the armor. Yeah, how's it look? Does it is is it the clunky tin can look from the sixties? It it looks pretty dead on. It's 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 a All great right. indication that they're really trying to nail it. I mean, it's it's got some interesting things on it. I mean, they it's, it they actually you know put like things on it, weaponry, things sticking out of it that looks like what you would have to find from a pile of junk in order to put together the armor. It doesn't look like he had a team of people and a budget to create the armor. It looks like he had to put it together from spare parts that were around. All right, that's a good sign for that film as well. It's nice to see them really uh, taking uh, this stuff seriously. Now, is Iron Man? One of the one one of the films that Marvel is producing themselves. Yes, it's actually the first to go into production. It is the first film that Marvel is producing under their financing arrangement to and finance Hulk their own is the films. Second? Yeah, Hulk is the second. All right. Yeah, it seems like uh, they're off to a great start so far. You know, yeah. Having cast, said that, without yeah. without having seen any of of the material that they're shooting, obviously, but they're getting good directors. They're getting good writers. They're casting good actors. The films are looking good uh, and coming together. Obviously, you know, we'll have to wait and see once the films actually start coming out whether they do well or not. I don't really see how they could lose. It really looks like they've done everything that they need to to do it right. Uh, really so looking forward the, to seeing it. Is the timeline right for releasing this many pictures? I mean, is this pretty typical for, for movies to have leaks like this? Yeah, that's probably about right. During shooting is, is when some of that would start coming out. I mean, they'll, they're starting to generate interest in it. I mean, the first Transformers trailer was already a year ago. But they didn't show any of the Transformers in it, just a, a shadow. Here, you get to see the full-on Iron Man. So, But it's e- not even the final Iron earlier. Man armor. It's not, it's not the good red and gold armor that, that will be the feature. That, that I think they'll probably wait quite a bit before the first images come out, unless some of it leaks, unless someone actually is on the set and gets a cell phone picture or something like that. But the studio will not put out an official picture of that armor for quite a while. Yeah, I'm sure gotcha. not, yeah. And some of the thing with the uh, the Transformers is probably that you know, a year ago they probably didn't have any any of the designs done yet. Since all the Transformers are going to be CG, that part of the film would usually be done last. So when they did that trailer a year ago, they probably didn't have anything yet. 
Okay, so moving on from casting, our next item is about writing. That, uh, the, that believe it or not, they are still moving forward on a Punisher 2. Uh, moving forward in that it's in development, which just means that, you know, the studio, uh, I believe Lionsgate, who produced the first one, still has the rights to do a second one. And uh, they are moving forward on that. Um, even though at the moment I don't think there's a director, but they've just brought on a, a new writer, and that's Kurt Sutter, who uh, is known from The Shield, which is a very uh, critically acclaimed crime series on FX. Uh, he's been brought along to work on a script for Punisher 2. And to hopefully make The Punisher into a critically acclaimed crime series. Right. I'll settle for a film that actually has The Punisher and has him being The Punisher. That was my big problem with the first film. I felt that he spent pretty much the entire film not thinking or acting like the Punisher, and then finally at the end of the film decided to really be a badass. Yeah, the whole film was basically an origin story, which uh, should have been done in the first half hour or so of the film. Right. You pretty much could have covered that one in, in backstory or 10 minutes of, of showing showing it rather than it, it didn't need an hour for you to get when someone kills your family, you're pretty upset about it. Right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I thought, I mean, there were bits of the Punisher film that I did enjoy. Um, so, yeah, I think hopefully that a, a Punisher 2 would be able to do the same thing that most of the, the second movies in superhero series get to do, which is to forget about the origin and move on and start telling new stories about the character. Right. If we can just find some way for them to do the second film first. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> or just decide decide to ignore the origin. You know, why would you most... Uh, I remember in a lot of the uh, 70s Marvel comics, they used to have just like a little block of text at the top of the first page that would basically tell you in, in two or three sentences everything you needed to know about the character. Bitten by a radioactive spider, Peter Parker has decided to become Spider-Man. Exactly, exactly. You know, exposed to gamma radiation. You know, you don't need 40 minutes of origin. I think uh, I think they, as usual, they underestimate the intelligence of the audience. and They think the audience is stupid and has to have everything explained to them, and they really don't. Gangsters murdered his family, and he decided to become the Punisher. Move yeah, on. So you, yeah, exactly. Let's move on with the story. Let's get a story about the character. You know, we don't need to spend all this time on on why the character is the way they why they are the way they are. So, uh, you know, and I'm not particularly invested in the Punisher. I always thought he was kind of a dumb character anyway. But I do like a good shoot 'em up action movie. So uh, maybe Punisher I, Two will at least deliver that for me. It has yeah, good that's potential. Punisher stick is to shoot everybody up. So that'd be right up your alley. Next up is uh, some internet kind of news. Uh, this was an interview with Michael Rosenbaum, who plays Lex Luthor on Smallville. Um, there has been no decision officially made about whether there's a next season or not. Uh, this is season six. Next year would be season seven. But uh, he has talked about the fact that all the actors were signed for seven-year contracts. So if they do a season seven, he would be in it. Uh, but at the moment, they haven't even still announced a season seven. What he's gone ahead and said that he assumes that there will be a season seven and that he'll be in it next year, but that it would definitely be his last. That he, you know, that he thinks that he would just assume that the series was over after seven years and then that would be the end of it for him. You know, honestly, I, I, I guess it might be okay if Smallville got a seventh season. You know, assuming that they're not able to wrap things up at the end of the sixth. But, you know, and I've, I've talked about this before. They're really, they're out of things to say, it seems like. You know, they keep having to add new characters in order to get material for stories. I'm just not sure if there's, there's enough material for a season seven for Smallville. So Really, the only way I'd be interested in it is if they went into it assuming that it's going to be the last season, just deciding it's going to be the last season. And then that would give them the freedom to really spend that year wrapping things up and really kind of 
spend their money, spend their money the right way. Ideally, like you said, bring in new characters. Uh, I would, you know, I would want them to use the Justice League characters again or bring in new ones and just really use it to go where they were going with Clark Kent and get him right up to that moment before he puts on the cape without actually seeing it. Exactly. You know, I always thought that the last scene in the series should be him putting on the costume, and then that's the last thing we should see. Right, and I'm pretty sure that he, he that the actor who plays uh, Clark Kent on there has been pretty adamant about never wearing the costume. The the creators of the series had been really adamant about saying that they would never show him tights. I could see the last image being him from behind putting on the cape without actually the cape seeing the tights or the boots. Yeah. Just see the boots really briefly. Yeah, something nice and subtle like that. And you're right. I'd, I would really, really like to see a conclusion to the series. And that's, but I don't want to Yeah. And I don't, but I don't, what I don't want to see is a whole nother year of, of the mostly substandard stuff that they've done for the last year or two. Yeah. If it's another season of Lex and Lana and Clark, will they, won't they love triangle count me out. Exactly. And, and barring, you know, barring adding a, another green arrow or another, you know, a new, a new character to fill the gap, I just don't see what they can do. Yeah, if I, I think you're exactly right. A, a season seven, if they could finish, but not definitely not. I don't want to see a season seven if they're hoping to get a season eight. Yeah, I don't see how that could be interesting at all. Yeah, exactly. I guess the worst would be if they do have a season seven that doesn't have a, a wrap up, but then it ends up that being the end anyway, right? If it gets right. That's or... that again would be a, what's the point if, if, if they went into season seven and, and didn't wrap it up at the end and there wasn't a season eight, that would, that would be the worst of all. That'd be really frustrating. Yeah. That would be 26 years or 26 hours of my life that I'll never get back. Just feels like 26 years. But, and you know, you know, I, I complain a lot about Smallville and it is honestly, I do love the idea and I loved the early seasons of the show. It's, it's, it, the, the, my complaints are done out of love. It's not out of, out of, I really want the show to be good. And that's why I find it maybe a little bit more upsetting than other people do when it's not. So uh, here's hoping that they'll, uh, they'll, they'll ramp it up for, the, for what hopefully is a final season. And hopefully they'll be able to plan for it accordingly. A brief one. There's, there's not much to talk about on this. Is The creator of Ghost Rider is suing Marvel, Sony, Hasbro, and just about anyone he can find to actually accept a court paper. Um, I, I looked a little bit into the story. It looks like it could have some merit. Um, he he had the rights to the character. They were sold to Marvel for a certain period of time, and then the copyrights on it actually lapsed, and Marvel should have renewed it and didn't, and so the rights had lapsed back to him, but no one kind of noticed that when they were moving forward with doing the movie that Marvel didn't currently have the rights at the time. Oops. I, uh, yeah, it'll take something that you know it'll all depend on who's got what paperwork to document what whether whether this is real or whether this is just him realizing that it's about the only time out of the 30 years since he created the character that he actually has a chance of really making some serious money on it here we go again it seems like every time a successful or even semi-successful movie based on a marvel comic comes out the creator comes out of the woodwork to uh Sue overwrites that he most likely signed away back in the 70s. Marv Wolfman did the same thing when the first Blade movie came out. Right. In this case, he definitely did have the rights, and they were they were sold to Marvel in a specified way because he had created the character outside of Marvel and then licensed it to them for use in the black and white magazines that they did in the 70s, the kind of horror magazines. And then they eventually transitioned the characters into the regular comic books because they did have the rights to use it in a specified manner, but he never did lose the actual 
create a right to it. It's just that it's a, it's a question of whether or not Marvel had the ability within the rights that they had at the time that they had them to license it for the movies and for toys and stuff like that. Hmm. Be an interesting, uh, be interesting to see how that pans out. What I thought was, was kind of interesting on it was that he, part of the suit was, was that he's suing on the basis of them not utilizing the property well enough. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, after, well after 30 thing. years, they do a movie that actually makes enough money for them to intend to do a sequel, and they're not marketing the property or utilizing the property well enough, which kind of says an all bets are off on what's the nature of the lawsuit, why is he doing it, and, and where is it going to go from here? We'll have Certainly. to just wait and see. Yeah, could be interesting. Imagine they'll probably just cut him a deal of some kind where they can, I don't know, give him a percentage of the sequel or right. something, That's, right? Yeah, it'll most likely come down to a check at some point. It'll, it'll, e- either he has no merit whatsoever and the court's going to throw it out and Marvel will see no need to fight it because they're really certain about their standing on it. Or if there's even an inkling or possibility that he might have a lawsuit that's valid and could win, then with the fact that they did make money from the film, the studio involved uh, – pretty sure it was sony um the studio involved will just cut him a check yeah that's make him go true. away yep that's probably true and marvel's not they've done that in the past you know over if there was even a, a possibility of of there being issues with with ownership of copyright they're they're willing to to pay money substantial money to make things like that go away so well, that's what took Spider-Man so many years. I mean, it really came very close to happening in the early 90s with James Cameron doing a film. He was he was very interested in doing it. He was moving forward. There was a script. They started doing some of the preliminary drawings, and, and things were really moving forward. And then it came into a rights issue because the studios involved uh, started having money trouble. And so those rights kind of languished for a couple of years. By the time they were interested in doing it again, there was such a mix-up of who had the rights, who had them when, where they sit now, where does Marvel have them, who currently has has got the ability to make a film based on it. And it, and it took about three, four years of, of legal maneuvering, of, of really going to court and, and working out all the contracts till it got free and clear so that Marvel actually could sell the rights again to Sony for the Sony to make you know the Spider-Man that they eventually made with Sam Raimi, and uh, as soon as it was all cleared up and ready to move, it it moved quickly. As as soon as those rights were were there and ready to go, Sony took over and really moved forward on it and threw a lot of money into it very quickly. Sure, but none of that disputed Marvel's ownership of the character. Though. Right. That no, Marvel always had the ability that. to sell the option. It's just a matter of whether the studios that had the options, depending on their money troubles and their current bankruptcy status still held those options as an asset and could tie them up. Well, yeah. Spider-Man's quite the asset, you know? I mean, yeah, exactly. this number three here is coming out in a couple of weeks, and one and two made buku bucks. Yeah, yeah and uh, Marvel's uh, gone to pretty pretty great lengths over the, the years, especially in fairly recent years, to protect their copyrights, the characters that they own, because I think they realize that that is what they have. That's their main thing. You know, if you break Marvel down to just a company that publishes comic books... That doesn't really mean anything. They're really a company that licenses all these great characters that they are lucky enough to own. And I know they market themselves that way now. I, I believe in, in a lot of their as- advertisements that they've done for the studio aspect of them, that, that that's how they pitch themselves as having this whole library of characters. I don't remember the number. It was like something like 1,100 characters that, that they've got sitting there ready to be licensed. Yep, and they've even gone as far as uh, back in the 90s, Marvel uh, was in bankruptcy for a little while. And as part of their reorganization, they actually set up a separate company called Marvel Characters. And that company's only purpose is to own the copyrights to all their characters. 
And so that way, if the Mar- if the publishing arm of Marvel, or I guess now maybe even if the filmmaking arm of Marvel, if anything happens with any of those, if they have to deal with the bankruptcy again, they have this totally separate entity that owns the characters, and so ownership of the characters can't really be be put into danger. Unless, of it's course, it's the old owner of Ghost Rider coming in and exactly, uh, causing yeah, trouble, so somebody at this additional company wasn't doing their homework. Well, I imagine they were, weren't as worried about Ghost Rider as they were about Spider-Man and the Hulk and the X-Men. True. So speaking of Spider-Man 3's release in a couple of weeks, uh, the Tribeca Film Festival, which is a film festival in in Manhattan, uh, New York City. Uh, Tribeca is Robert De Niro's company, and he started a film festival using that uh, several years ago. That film festival, uh, which celebrates New York, is hosting the actual premiere of Spider-Man 3 in a couple of weeks. They actually have been given the ability to open it in all five boroughs of New York. That's all five cities in New York, Manhattan, Queens, etc., and uh, so they're going to simultaneously have a Spider-Man 3 premiere in all five of the bureaus of New York City as part of the film festival. That ought to be exciting for, for people who live in New York. So since they were able to get that exclusive, the Tribeca Film Festival has actually added a bunch of superhero movie-related programming to the film festival. On May 1st, there will be a panel uh, called Does Whatever a Spider Can that is basically about the Spider-Man franchise and the Spider-Man movies. And they've lined up a bunch of the producers to be there for this panel. Uh, They have Avi Arad, Laura Ziskin, Kevin Feige, and Grant Curtis, who are all producers on the Spider-Man films, in a panel to discuss the Spider-Man 3 movie. So if you're in the New York City area, that's something you might want to check out. And we're going to have a contest on our website to send one lucky fan to New York to watch the panel, see the... Oh, no, I'm just kidding. No, we're not. (laughs) And you're going to pick up the plane fare, right, Jonathan? Um, Sure, I'll send you the bill, Jefferson, you bet. Oh, great, great. They're also going to do a panel on May 3rd called Heroes for Hire, also on the same theme. This one is just in general about superhero movies, uh, which is kind of a subject that we think about a lot. Um, on that panel will be Zach Penn, a screenwriter who's written X2, Electra, X3, and the upcoming Incredible Hulk. He wrote the script for that. Uh, the panel will also have Joe Casada, the editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics and artist for Marvel Comics, and Andrew Cook, who is a director who has done a documentary on Will Eisner. And they'll all be discussing the translation of comic book superheroes to the big screen. So is there any way to hear or view any of this via the web or no? Go to New York. Yeah, you'd have to go to the film festival in New York. Right. I just figured it'd be nice to know for, for the for fans of ours in, in New York City want, yeah, want if, to check that out. Yeah. If any of our fans out, are out man. there in New York City, let us know how it goes. Yeah, give us a give us an email and tell us about it. So that director, Andrew Cook, who has done the documentary on Will Eisner, that film will actually be uh, premiered at the film festival as well. Uh, The documentary is called Will Eisner, Portrait of a Sequential Artist, and it screens at the film festival various days uh, between April 26th and May 6th. Um, For those who don't know, Will Eisner is the creator of The Spirit, one of the long, long, long time uh, comic book creators, a pioneer for creators' rights, one of the few creators who actually owned his creation from the beginning. He always owned the spirit. Um, he you know, took it through the newspaper strips, through comic books, through movies, through radio. Um, he's been with it a long time, very much respected as, as a creator in comics. Um, he passed away last year, and this documentary has uh, basically people in the comics world talking about his life and his history. 
It sounds great. Is there any news on a, a release for that, or is it just going to be part of the film festival? It'll be premiered at the film festival, hopefully. Uh, part of the reason why you take a film to a film festival is if you don't have a distributor for the film. So someone's you know made the film, someone's produced it, someone put up the money. Um, it may or may not have a distributor, so that would be a reason to get a, a premiere at a film festival and get the film seen so that one of the distributors of movies, basically the major studios, uh, would purchase the rights to distribute the film. Well, good luck to them. I hope they, they get a distribution because I want to see the film. I, I was lucky enough to meet Will Eisner a few years ago, and uh, what a nice guy and what a, a genius when it came to creating comics, a real, like you said, a real pioneer in uh, the creation of comics and in the the idea of taking comics seriously as an art form and not just as a, a junk entertainment. You know, the, a lot of the way we look at comics now wouldn't be there if it hadn't been for him. And he's kind of unsung. He's not as not as well known as like Jack Kirby or Stan Lee, but easily as influential, if not more so. Yeah, I met him at a panel at DragonCon about four years ago, and yeah, he was a really great guy. He's he's basically credited with creating the graphic novel. Yeah, and and rightly so, rightly so. So anyone interested in details about that, there's a website for the film festival. It's www.tribeca, Tribeca is spelled T-R-I-B-E-C-A, tribecafilmfestival.org. Yeah, I'll have to check it out see if they uh, are going to be posting anything. Maybe they'll have a podcast, too. So that's it for our news this week, but keep checking it out at SuperheroCinema.com every day. Let's move on to a topic, the return of heroes. Ooh, exciting. Can't wait. Heroes, woo! Okay, so let's talk about Heroes. Finally, after seven weeks, we get the new episode next Monday, the uh, 0.07% which uh, I believe is referring to the fact that New York City has 0.07% of the world's population. Mm, Ominous. Yeah, they've been putting out a lot of commercials for it, uh, starting to show a lot of footage for it. It's very exciting. Don't want to go too much into things that aren't publicly available. Um, I think we should talk about things that have actually been in the commercials, uh, or more importantly, uh, we could talk about what's in the graphic novels. For people who aren't reading the graphic novels, if you go to NBC.com slash heroes slash novels, they put out every single week and have since the beginning of the series a comic book that basically adds to the show, uh, usually takes one of the characters from the show, quite often is a scene within a scene or a scene in between scenes. A lot of them have been things that happened either before or after an episode or add to what's happened in an episode that you didn't see uh, or shows an aspect of the character that you hadn't seen before, just kind of adds to the texture of the show. And NBC has really put a lot of effort into having the show Heroes have a life of its own outside just the show itself. They're really doing a very uh, exciting internet-based component to the show where people can sign up for regular text messages from one of the characters from the show, basically involving a storyline that that is kind of in the sub part of the show that's running parallel to the show and eventually will tie into the show. And that character is the Hannah Gittleman character, Wireless, who they actually introduced first in the comics and did a five-issue series that basically gave you her history. And everyone was wondering at that point, when is she going to appear in the show? And they did have her briefly appear in a couple of scenes of the show, but I don't think she's going to be a major character in the show. I think her real purpose is to be the online outside of the show's life component where basically she's she's 
part of this whole online world slash game that that they've built to to run alongside the show and and keep people's interest outside of it. So as part of that, uh, basically both hiatuses now have been have included comic books that were all about her. And so the current ones in, in the current hiatus, the very first one after the break was uh, basically a scene between scenes where Mr. Bennett, uh, Hornroom Glasses or HRG, when he knew that the company had discovered about Claire and he had to do something about that, we, we saw him know that situation existed and then the next scene we saw him basically dealing with it by having put everything in place to have himself be shot and have his memory wiped so that they won't be able to find claire through him and claire could get away the novel that they put out during that week basically showed you what happened in between those scenes where he essentially decided to turn to hannah gittleman to help him bring down the company and the following five weeks since then have been a story of hannah breaking into a classified government uh, file at the Pentagon that essentially tells you the story of how the company began. And it's a really good story. I mean, the, the artwork is fantastic. It's got uh, a real, very realistic kind of look to it, but still not you know too much. But it's not cartoony either to put off any of the, the possible fan base who may be you know, reading these graphic novels online and... Um, her character works really well in the comics, I think, because when she was on the show, I mean, you know, it's she it's wasn't that great on the show. That that obviously yeah. was not the purpose was for her to be one of the featured characters on the show. That was just to kind of let the fans who who do know about the graphic novels give some validation to the fact that she is really a part of the show. Right. I mean, it's it's tough to depict visually in a TV show that she can read all this wireless stuff. All the you know internet, the emails, and all that stuff floating around out there in the ether, and she can see it all. So it works really well as a comic because she you can see through the panels how she does that. So it works really well as a graphic novel, and uh, the story is kind of intense. It uh, it's in six parts there for you know the the hiatus and kind of flashes back and shows us um, some scenes of uh, you know. Some, some characters in the Vietnam War era, kind of a heart of darkness type mission, you know, where they're, you don't know exactly, you know, who these characters are as related heroes. So it's kind of a mystery that's slowly unfolding over uh, each of the, the issues that they had been putting out. So it's definitely highly recommended. I think they just finished putting out part six, what, what did we figure out a couple days ago? Uh, yeah, we're recording this on Tuesday of the week, and I believe it actually came out today, finally, issue six. Yes. Yeah, as I recall, they released the new uh, comics the day after each episode, so they would that would put them on Tuesdays every week, and they've probably just kept that schedule up for the hiatus. So I think every Tuesday they do a new new comic on the website, and they're great. They're short, they're pretty easy to read. You can read one in in ten minutes or so, but they do fill in a lot of nice backstory that maybe isn't essential to your understanding of the TV show, but it certainly is nice. It's 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 rewarding to get to read you know extra detail that that maybe makes the the central mysteries of the story a little bit more uh, deep and understandable. Right. You can't not, it doesn't keep you from being able to follow the show if you don't read the comics, but it just really adds a whole other level to it if you do. And, and as Jonathan said, they're very well produced. Aspen Studios puts them together. They're a fairly, uh, fairly major uh, comic book production company. They were founded by Michael Turner, who is one of the guys who was associated with Image Comics. He did a series called Fathom that was very popular. 
he does a lot of work for DC Comics now, and it's his. He doesn't work on the the Heroes comics, but it's his studio, his his guys that work on it. So he sort of creatively directs it, and they look really nice. They look really nice and slick, very well done. Yeah, so you, you can check them out, and they've got different um, resolutions of them there. You can even print them out and you know flip through them as you'd like as well too, which is nice if you don't want to eat up all your bandwidth. So we really encourage all y'all to go out, check it out. We're not going to tell you, you know, exactly what happens or what the big reveal is. But, um, yeah, if you just like Mike, Michael said, go to that uh, NBC.com slash heroes and check out those graphic novels. Um, it's definitely a reward, you know, if you read all six parts. Um, and it even, in the last scene, you know, it uh, has a great interactive component, too, where you can go to another website and kind of continue the storyline was presented through those stories. Yeah, it takes it right up to where the whole plot has been Hannah trying to figure out how to start taking down the company. And so in trying to do that, uh, for the people who have actually been involved in the text messages and the Heroes 360 is what it's called, the online component, it, the very last part of the story ties it back into that and actually says that you can help bring down the company, wait for Hannah's next message that will come through your text messaging and take it on from there. And, and that will... Tie us probably right into the episode coming up next Monday, which I I'm really really excited about. It's it's been seven weeks. I I really love the show, and I'm really excited to see where they're going to go from here for the final five. I think we might be looking at a bit of the future of of entertainment here too. All these different sort of related components. It's not just a show that you sit and watch on a TV screen. You've got all this other stuff to go with it. And I think I I, I would like to see more of that. And I suspect that you will see more of that in the future. There'll be more sort of entertainments that aren't restricted to only being a TV show. You know, they'll add all these other elements like text messages and online material and i think that's great i think it's it's i think heroes is a great show to be pioneering that too yeah we actually had that question was it last week or week before where somebody was asking us you know is it harmful for a show to have these long breaks like you know killed they think they thought that it killed x files and his problem with 24 and lost but when you have these kind of other ways of feeling connected to the show yeah i mean it really prolongs you know the life of the property of the life of the show i agree you're absolutely right so we're all looking forward to April 23rd for the return of Heroes. And that's going to wrap it up for this week. Um, before we go, I want to talk a little bit about next week's show. We're going to do something a little bit different. It's going to be the uh, first and, and possibly only for the year live show of Superhero Cinema. Live in that, we'll be recording it in front of an, a live audience. Um, we'll be doing it at a convention this weekend um, just to kind of clue you in a little bit about uh, the three of us. Um, we're actually doing this via Skype, and we're in three different locations. Uh, Jonathan and I both live in the Denver area, and uh, Jefferson used to. He actually now lives in Portland. Now, Jefferson used to live here, and uh, Jefferson actually used to do a video room at the local convention here, which is uh, called Starfest. That's the big media science fiction convention in the Denver area every year. They get you know big-name guests from Star Trek, Star Wars. Uh, this year, they're going to have Leonard Nimoy. They're going to have uh, Gil Gerard from Buck Rogers in the 70s. They'll have several people from the Stargate series. Uh, Oded Fair from The Mummy and the Resident Evil films will be there. Uh, but several years ago, Jefferson did a video room room called uh, British Sci-Fi because he's very into that 
And uh, we've, we've been friends for many, many years. And I knew about him doing that room. And when he was actually interested in not doing the room anymore, I took it over as superhero theater originally. And this will be the third year that I've been doing that at this convention, where for three days at the convention, I actually run three full days of superhero movie and TV show programming. And that was kind of the genesis of this podcast, uh, because every year at the convention, I would do one segment that would be the news, where for an hour, I would go over the latest topics and take questions from the audience. And so after doing that for the last two years, I kind of had the idea to turn it into a podcast. So that's where we got this idea. And uh, Jefferson had moved out of town at that point. I lined him up and I also had become friends with Jonathan. And so I kind of got the three of us together for the idea to do a roundtable discussion version of what I used to do at the convention. So that's where this podcast came from. And so now in a kind of everything coming full circle, this weekend is, is going to be the convention and Jefferson's actually going to be back in town to see some people and actually go to the convention for one day. And so on Saturday, where I normally would do the superhero news, where it would just be me talking about it, we're actually going to do the podcast live. Um, so if everything goes right, like we intend, we'll be able to record it. And that's what I'll be putting out next week as the podcast. So it'll be a little bit of a different format because you know the, the audience there, I, I won't assume that they know anything about uh, what's happening in the latest projects or any of the stuff that we talk about from week to week. So I'll be doing more of an overview. We'll, we'll kind of talk about all the projects that are going on now and get, and give the info so that uh, it'll be a good chance for people to catch up. Um, if you haven't caught all of our episodes or if you want to give it to people or let people know that it's a good one to start listening to, it'll be a much fuller discussion of kind of covering all the major film projects out there right now and what's happening and all the current DVD releases that are coming out. And it'll be all three of us. Um, the exciting thing is it'll be the first time the three of us have all been in a room together uh, because Jonathan and Jefferson both have me as a friend in comic in common, but they actually have never met each other in person. And so uh, at the live taping on Saturday, that's when that'll actually happen. I look forward to it, Jefferson. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll be fun. I remember the, uh, the first few of the uh, discussions that Michael did at the convention, I always went, and it was Michael up front talking and me kind of chiming in from the back from time to time. So uh, I think Michael will appreciate having some uh, some more support in front of the audience instead of just heckling him from, from the back row. Yeah, so now he'll be able to heckle me from either my left or my right side. Depending on where I'm sitting, yeah. And I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. You get to hear us in all our funky live selves here. Mm. So if you're in the Denver area, um, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, assuming that I get this out before the end of the week and you, and you get this information, if you're in the Denver area, we will be there at uh, Starfest in Denver and uh, check that out. If not, we'll be here next week and uh, hope you all listen to that. And uh, we'll be back in this format in two weeks, uh, the week after that, two weeks from now. So if you haven't already, uh, click on the subscribe link on our website to subscribe to the podcast or find us on iTunes by searching for Superhero Cinema. If you have any news stories, suggestions for what you want us to talk about, or any comments on the show, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at podcast at superherocinema.com. You can even leave us voicemail on Skype. Our Skype name is Superhero Cinema. Thank you, Jefferson and Jonathan. Thank you, Michael. And thank you, Michael. And I'll see you guys this weekend together. Looking Excellent. forward to it. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. We hope you keep showing up for Superhero Cinema. We're saving the world one fan at a time.
Do 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 do.